Please turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. We've been <clears throat> traveling this journey on the exchange life, and we've come to basically a critical juncture where we move from the understanding into the practical. And this begins to deal with the application of some of the things that we're, we've been addressing and talking about over these uh, couple months. Because it doesn't do us any good if we just learn the word and we don't ever apply it, right? So this addresses, what we're addressing this morning is the main reason that most people reject this teaching and this understanding of Christ in us. And that's where our power and our strength and everything that we're supposed to do for the Lord comes from. It's from Him to begin with. We're, uh, how many of you in here like surprises? Anybody? Good ones. All right. Keep, those who like surprises, put your hands up. Keep them up. All right. Of those of you who like surprises, how many of you like it when somebody jumps out and scares you? Less people. You know, you can put your hands down. Most of us don't like not knowing where an attack is coming from, right? If something's coming, we want to know it's coming. We don't want it to blindside us. And so this morning, we're talking about overcoming sin, the battlefield and the victory. Because we still think in our mind that we have to overcome sin, don't we? Even though Jesus already did that. So if Jesus already did it, and we're still thinking it, we're not thinking right. But yet we're in a battle. We're in a battle and we don't know what our weapons are. We don't know how this thing works. We will fail. We, we will talk about failure when we give in to sin. And so how do we apply the fact that he's already overcome it. He's already removed all of our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's transformed us from the inside out. We're a brand new creation in Christ. When we abide in him, his words abide in us. Fruit is produced. And yet sometimes we still choose sin, which is the mystery. Well, hopefully at the end of this morning, we will at least scratch the surface of that. As we travel through these verses, what we're going to be looking at about overcoming sin, the battlefield and the victory, we're going to identify the battlefield. I think a lot of times we don't know where it is. We're going to learn how to walk victoriously and then we're going to identify our focus. Second Corinthians says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and, and for showing us the truth and revealing it to us. And Father, I pray this morning that as we journey through these three passages, that you'll show us where the battle is taking place. 
Because we know how we have an enemy who is out to destroy the work that you're doing in us and through us. And so we may not may we not go in naively and pretend like there's no enemy to be addressed and to account for. And so give us wisdom as we take your word and apply it as your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I pray that your will will be done here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the battlefield is where you engage the enemy, right? Wherever that battlefield is. And the battlefield for us, ladies and gentlemen, the battlefield is our mind. That's where we engage him. The war we're fighting happens in our mind. Our war is not won through fleshly means. These verses tell us that. Yet we've tried these techniques before. Well, just try harder. Don't give up so easily. Or if you only had enough faith, you wouldn't have sinned. You ever heard any of that? The problem is that don't work. If it worked, it would work every time, right? If something is true, it must work every time. Is gravity true? Yep. One wrong step for me and I'm down up here. (laughs) Gravity works every time because it's a truth. Truth always works. So if there's something not working in your Christian journey, it's not true. There's a falsehood that's worked its way in there. It's married up with... See, the enemy is really good about marrying up verses of Scripture and weaving in false things or false conclusions from it. He's really good at that. He started that in the garden. Has God said? Did God really say? That in the day you eat of it, you'll die. When God knows this. In other words, God's holding out on you. And she bought into it. And so we see here that trying hard, listen, it doesn't work. You already know it. Okay, so if that doesn't work, then man, you know what happens to us? Because we're taught in this society, the harder you try, the better it'll turn out, right? If you're going to get good grades, study harder. If you're going to get good at some sport, practice harder. We're told to do it harder to make it to be better. And the, the good news is, is that right now, you are, you, <laughs> you do not need anything to live in the fullness of Christ. Isn't that cool? But we believe we do. We believe we do. We believe we need some help or we need this or we need to be set free from that. Anybody here? <clears throat> I'm getting in trouble up here. I'm going to get in trouble. Anybody here believe there's a sin that you need to be set free from? Right? The truth is you're already free. Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. Did he set you free from the law of sin and death? So then why do you believe you're trapped? Because the enemy has been working in your mind. The battlefield is in the mind, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I really love it. No, you love the effects of it. You don't love it. That's why you hate it. That's why you don't like it. That's why you don't want it there. But you go back to it because it's something 
that provides your flesh pleasure. And so the weapons of our... Watch this. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to confront this head on. The weapons of our warfare that we're given to fight with will do this. They will destroy fortresses. What we have destroys fortresses. You know, we're not out there with popping tiddlywinks at a, at a 12 inch wall. The weapons we have destroy fortresses. Fortresses are strongholds that you believe in your, in your life. Let me tell you this. They're a deception. It is a deception to think that you're trapped. It's a deception to think I have to do this. It's a deception to think that it's going to happen anyway. You know, because here's the thing. If sin is going to happen anyway, then why not just go do it? See, I believe that lie for years. The problem is God's word says otherwise. Do we have, I'm going to do it again. Do we have the power to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we have the power to surrender to him and submit to him? Yes. Can I sin when I'm doing that? No. When the the expression of the Holy Spirit is in and through me, I can't sin at the same time. So if I have the power to do that, I have the power to not give in to sin again. Even though God's word says, and we use it, we misuse it. The church in general misuses the next verse. Where it talks about, well, God won't put anything on you that you have made a way of escape. You ever heard that one? That's a lie. That's not what the verse says. No temptation has taken man, which God has not made a way of escape. In other words, he gives us the way of escape from temptation. And it's walking in the spirit. Because temptation appeals to what? To our flesh. And to deal with appeals to our flesh, you walk in the spirit. Because that appeals to our spirit. Does that make sense? That's why the mind is so important. We have to understand, fortresses will come down. With the weapons he's given us. It will also destroy speculations. Let me propose a definition for that. Speculations are guesses that have been repeated so often they become accepted. I'm going to give you one. Evolution. Evolution. Let me tell you something. Evolution is a lie. I didn't descend from a monkey. I was created in the image of God. And so were you. Even Darwin rejected evolution. Do you know that? He wrote it in his book. I'm going to give you another one. This is going to cut a little closer to home. Well, the only thing that matters is love. Don't tell somebody they're wrong. That's hate speech. Let me tell you. Parents, you better be hating on your kids when they're playing in the street then. That's love. That ain't hate. Essentially, what we're saying is love today means you can tell me everything about my life is right and I'm okay. That means you love me. And I'm going to tell you something. Real love does not let somebody that it loves drive off a cliff. 
It doesn't let somebody play with rattlesnakes. If you want to play with rattlesnakes, call me. Hey, we've got them. I've killed two of them. I have photos to prove it. When we journey through life, when we make this transition from death to life, we don't carry the old man with us. You are set free. And it's not just the ropes of control that he had. You died with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, the old I, but Christ now lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. Isn't that interesting? I live by the power of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. That's our source of life. Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. It's not found by us trying to do what we think and what we see and then have God bless it. You ever been there and go, why won't God bless this? Because you're not doing what he wants you to do. He will not bless the imaginations of your mind, even if your intent is to do it for him. Because the only thing that matters is his will. Good intent does not matter. The man who grabbed, when the ark was going down and the ark was rocking, remember those guys were carrying the ark and they were going through some, some rough, rough moment and the guy reached out. Did he have good intention to catch the ark and keep it from falling? Yeah. God struck him dead though. Because he wasn't obedient. He did not allow that to go on. Because if he could do it for that, then somebody else could do it for some other reason. God doesn't let that stuff go. So speculations. The weapons were given. Destroy fortresses. They destroy them. They don't punch holes in them. They destroy them. They destroy speculations. Our weapons destroy every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Man, there is some horrible false teaching out there today. Horrible. Terrible. With good intentions. People are being misled. And they're being held on a rope. So the church can control them. Listen, let me tell you something. Number one, I didn't die for you. My job is not to control you. My job is to give you wings and the, and the wind underneath them. And to let God take you wherever he wants you to go. And let him use you in amazing ways. Let the power of God flow in and through your life. And let you connect with him where you hear his voice and you walk independently every day. It's amazing how attractive freedom is, isn't it? And if, and if the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit runs this joint, <laughs> we're all going to be on the same page, right? If we're supposed to be here. And if we all submit and surrender to him, I don't have to worry about all that. I don't need tricks from the Paul. I need his truth. Because the truth sets us free. And so it tears down all this garbage 
raised up against the knowledge of God. He set us free unto himself. And so we must apply our weapons. The war we fight is in our mind. That's why we're instructed here at the end of this passage to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> so if we take that, that phrase out of this passage, there's a couple takeaways that we need, to, we need to extract from it. Every thought you have is not your own. We have this idea, if it comes into my head, that's something I thought, right? Every thought you have, just because it happens in your mind doesn't mean it's from you. You know, it's funny, when I was, when I was just thinking about that, I thought of the chocolate molten cake over at... Uh, uh, anybody else? <laughs> Nobody else thought of that when, when I read that, probably. How many of you are thinking about it now? <laughs> right? Where did that come from? Me. I just put that in your head. Right? So, you guys just admitted that every thought you have doesn't come from you. We just experienced it together. And so every thought you have, the lies, the mixtures of lie and truth, wanderings. You know, I really kind of wondered this about God. Here's one. Let's, get, let's just cut through this. Well, you know, I wonder where God was. I prayed about it. He didn't do it. Been there? You know, I wonder if God's really good like he says. Because what was going on was bad. He didn't do anything about it. Well, I've heard that a lot all the time. Let me tell you something. Whatever God does, whether you like it or not, is good. That's pretty pathetic. We think God is good when we like what he does. Right? That's how we judge whether God is good. Well, I like what God, so God is good. I liked it. So now who's God? We have become God judging him as being good or not good based upon how it makes us feel. You're taking the position of God to declare him good or evil. You better be careful, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you. If God cuts off my arm, he's still good. If my eye pops out and I step on it, he's still good. The good events of life do not make God who he is. God is who he is. And the enemy will try to tell you that. He'll try to use those things when God didn't meet your expectations to determine who he is. It's terrible. And we suck it in. We suck it like a straw. Every thought you have is not your own. Listen, folks. Start to deal with that. You have to. You have to evaluate your thoughts and determine if they advance your obedience to Christ and his word. Does this advance my obedience to Christ and his word? What does the passage say? 
Taking every thought captive to what? To the obedience of Christ. Not to some obedience that he has. To the obedience of my following of him. Does it lead me into obedience or does it lead me away from that? Do we do this? I'm afraid what we do is a lot of us try to make what we're thinking or wanting. What we're wanting to do to fit into God's plan for us. Yeah, I really want to do this for you, God, so bless it. Or I want to do this for God, so bless that. What does God want Mark to do? It may not even be that. It might be exactly that. But you better know that God, has that's his plan for you and not something you've come up with. Because if God wants me over here, he's not going to bless what I'm doing. And then I'm going to all of a sudden say, well, God is just not a good God. He doesn't care. He leaves me alone. Yeah, he left me alone because he can't let that succeed when he wants me over there. Not only that, he'll probably frustrate it. So I'll abandon it quicker. So the battlefield takes place in our mind. And we have to deal with it. That's our battlefield. And so we move from the battlefield. So how do we walk victoriously in that? Great question. Romans 8 verses 1 through 11. Says this. We all know the first verse don't we? There is therefore, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There you are. You do not have to sin. It says it. I didn't say it. God said it. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, because the law... Is about the flesh trying to obey God. God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who walk, for those who are according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset in the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So this is not something we vacillate into. We are in the Spirit. We don't go in the Spirit. No. Well, I'm just in the flesh today. That doesn't jive with Scripture. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit. Who dwells in you? You see how, I mean, this is it, right? 
Our victorious walk, to walk victoriously, we have to walk according to the Spirit. How do we do that? We've always heard that. Walk in the fruit. Let the fruit of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? It tells you right here, set your mind on Him. Set your mind on Him. Not on your to-do list. Not on the problems you're having at work. Not on the problems you're having at home. Not on your kids who woke you up three times last night. Or wouldn't go to bed. They kept getting up because they needed a drink of water. Has that ever happened, parents? <laughs> it's amazing how thirsty they get at bedtime, isn't it? It's shocking. There's something about the bed and thirst that just goes together. We don't set our mind on those things. We don't set our mind on our own agenda. We don't set our mind on our promotion. We don't set our mind on our retirement. How am I going to do it? We set our mind on Jesus Christ. We set our mind on the Spirit. When it's done correctly, you're going to experience life and peace. See, this is what we do in the morning, right? It's time to go. It's time to get up. We're going to do a little illustration this morning. So here we are. We're having breakfast. Those of you who eat breakfast. We're sitting there, and okay, today I've got to do this and this and this. Isn't that what we do? We sit down, I've got to do this, this, and this to get out of the house. I've got to be there. I'm already five minutes late, so I need to pick it up. Hey, everybody else, get on it. And then when I get to work, I've got these, I've got this stack I've got to get through. And we deal with everything that comes our way as intrusions onto that list. I've got to leave by 4.45 or 4.55. So that I can get the kids from soccer practice or baseball or whatever. When I get home, we got to figure out what's for dinner. And we might get a few hours of rest together. What's on TV tonight? Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll watch that. And it's time for bed. We brush our teeth and we do it again. Sound familiar? Instead of saying in the morning, Lord, you see my day. Help me to hear what your spirit says to me today in each one of these things. I set this list before you. You remove it. You change it. You reorder it. You are the God of my life. And consciously do that. The mindset, you have the opportunity to set your mind. So Lord, what would you have me to do today? Make me conscious of it. Let me hear your voice. And if it's uncomfortable, uh, you know, I'm just going to do it anyway. How many of the things you think that these guys were were called to in scripture were uncomfortable for them? (laughs) Let's go back. Abraham's father's dying. Or Abram. And God tells him, get up and go. That's not a good time, Lord. This is a bad time. Don't you know my dad is dying? He's just one of many. You have King David. We all love King David, right? He gets anointed king. Well, there still is a king in place. Who finds out about it? 
Was his life better for following the Lord from an event standpoint? No. But was he better for following the Lord? Yes. Because the hand of God was upon him. And even when he had the chance to take King Saul's life, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Because he was also anointed. There's such a disrespect for authority in today's world. We put it under the guise of free speech. Listen, we're called to pray for those in authority over us. And to respect them and follow them. And approach them with an honest heart and a respectful way if we disagree. And seek the truth together. Because I'm going to tell you this. Starting here, nobody has cornered the market on truth. I'm still learning and growing. I don't know everything. I learn stuff from you guys all the time. Someone made a comment about a verse we were looking at this morning in, in Don's class. And I was like, I hadn't even thought of that. But it was spot on. It was really good. And so we do this journey together, folks. It's not all about, it's not about you. What happens when you, listen, let me tell you what we don't do. This was sold, this has been, this was sold for the last 20 years. You don't set your mind on your sin. You're like, well, we would never do that. Oh, yeah? How many of you ever heard this? Well, go memorize all the verses about your sin and quote and, and study them. You ever, heard, you ever done that? You ever heard that before? I have. I've done it. You know what happened? I still did it. That don't work. Because the mindset of Christ is in perfect peace. Not on sin. It's amazing when we actually read the book and find out what it says. Realize this, that eventually your actions will become the expression of your thoughts. Eventually your actions will become the expression of your thoughts. That's why we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm obedient to Christ. Does this come in? I'm obedient to Christ. Does this allow? I'm obedient to Christ. Does this support it? I'm obedient to Christ. Does this turn me away? I'm obedient to Christ. Is this a one degree deviation? Is there any of me in this? Or is it about him? You know, what if, let's just strip this down. If you visited churches, and I'm not encouraging you to do that. <laughs> Unless you're visiting this morning, we'd let you come. <laughs> but if you, there's larger churches in this town, right? Lots of people sitting there. What if just this group, just us, not those who couldn't be here because they were sick or traveling, just us this morning. This is your first time or your one minute time. What if we just said, we're going to sell out to Jesus Christ. We're going to let him completely consume every bit of our life for the rest of our life. Nothing for ourselves. What do you think God could do with this group? 
And would you be willing to be part of it? We want to be part of that, right? Are we willing to pay the price? Oh, well now, hold up there. Jesus laid it all down for you. I don't understand the apprehension. The only reason I have apprehension of that is selfishness. And the reason I know is because I have a little apprehension. And it's selfish. Let's just call it out. That's the truth. If it cuts this way, I would imagine that I'm probably not the only one. Maybe I am the only one. Maybe you already. <laughs> and so be careful. Be careful. So we've seen both our battlefield and how to walk victoriously. Now we need to talk about our focus. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, if, and the not, the if is not like it's a possibility. This if is since you have been. So therefore, if, or since you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. See, we think our life is here. That's our problem. This is not your life. This is your opportunity. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And so much of our turmoil is caused because of what we're seeking, folks. Much of what we deal with is from what we're seeking. We're told to keep seeking things above. And the interesting thing is he uses the word keep. Which implies that we were seeking things above at one point. Right? If you keep doing something, you're going to get spanked. So you're already doing something that if you keep doing it, you're going to pay a price. Keep seeking things above. So when were we seeking things above? When we came to salvation in Christ, we turned away from ourselves and turned to Him. And we sought things above and He saved us. And in the same way that we turned to Him for that, we turned to Him for life. And so we keep seeking things above. Not, oh, I got him. I'm good now. All right, let's go. <laughs> right, now, what do I do about this? And, you know, you know what the answer is to your job question? Seek Christ. You know what your answer is to your problem with your neighbor? Seek Christ. And he'll lead your heart to do the thing you're supposed to do. Because you're drawing closer to him. It's a natural outflow. See, we haven't learned the outflow because we don't seek it. We just want him to fix it. We haven't learned as we draw closer to him, as we draw closer to the cross, as we move closer, the very character and nature of Christ begins to express itself in us. And so the things that are natural for him become natural for us because we don't see any other way. You want to, I mean, this is how you address sin, folks. 
keep seeking. We're told to set our mind on things above. Most of our minds are set on the earth and the things we want God to help us with here. I mean, really? Well, you don't know. So-and-so is sick. And this is, you know. Or we, you know, we're struggling financially. Welcome to the crowd. You got somebody sick in your family? Welcome to the crowd. Those are not unique problems. We all have them. We're not belittling that. And those things matter. They absolutely matter. But the answer is not found here. The answer to all of that is found in Him. You're not going to find it here. Keep looking. You already know you haven't found it already. You haven't found it. We're to set our mind on things above us. <laughs> we need to be set on Him and His agenda. And let me tell you, you know, there's rewards that go with following Jesus. And you know what it is? You know what they are? Him. He's the reward. You know, one day we may do a study on the crowns, but you know what? Those... To see God save somebody that uh, you've prayed for, is, I don't know if that's ever happened. If it's happened for me, it's the coolest thing. And I didn't get to pray with them. I was a seed and a waterer. A seed planter and a waterer. But I'm going to tell you, it was just a sweet. Because <laughs> it's God's will that none should perish. It's His desire. So keep praying for those loved ones. Keep praying for those people you know. Don't stop because as you're praying, you're seeking Him. And you have the very mind of Christ. And so we need to remember that our life is hidden with Christ and God. And as we seek Him, we're going to discover that life that He has for us. Not the one we're trying to build ourselves. I mean, we all have it. We have this agenda. We want certain things for our kids. And we want certain things... For our own life, we want financial safety, and we want a good retirement. We don't want to have to die in a nursing home, and we want, you know, we want all these things. But what if, what if God's plan is for me to not have any money, for me to be on a foreign field, laying in the dirt, so that somebody could hear the gospel? Is that okay with you? But wait a minute. Well, wait. You know, wait a minute. We ain't going to play this game, ladies and gentlemen, because you're not going to win. Jesus left the glories of heaven and came to a cesspool for us. Let me tell you something. I ain't better than Jesus. <laughs> I'm, the only reason I'm worthy to serve him is because he made me worthy. I ain't worthy. No way. So how do we apply this so we can experience our, to experience our victory? Let me give you a, few, a couple things here, two, three things. Don't take your thought life casually. Oh, we sit around and daydream about stuff and wish things were so... You ever, is there anything in your life you wish was different? <laughs> right? 
How many of you wish for more time? <laughs> or more sleep? <laughs> you wish anything in your life was different? I wish it was like this. I wish it was like that. And we daydream. Don't think, take your thought life ca- uh, casually. The enemy doesn't. He knows it's where the battle's won. You know, I had somebody misquote me on this next It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. The Bible says that as a man thinketh, so is he. And that doesn't mean if I think I'm a turtle that I'm really a turtle. That's what they had claimed I'd said. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) Whatever we think and whatever we believe to be true, we start to behave that way. That's what the verse is talking about. As a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, if I, if I really thought I was a turtle, I might actually start acting like one because I believed it. Does it really make me one? And that's what's going on in the world today. People think things to be true and they start behaving that way. And it's not accurate, it's not true. But they start behaving like it's true. And so don't take your thought life casually. We spend our mind thinking, what we spend our mind thinking about is serious business, folks. Scripture. How many of you, how long has it been since you contemplated a verse of Scripture? And just sat around and thought about it and said, what is that? We did a little bit of this morning, it was really kind of fun. We were talking about the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And how he was reading to the other guy. And then, how many of you have seen, um, what was the movie? Uh, it was a Ben-Hur movie. Uh, they, they had chariots in it. They were, I remember them chasing them. That's an old movie. That wasn't that one. Which? Ben Hur. That's it. Ben Hur. Thank you, Meredith. You remember the chariots that are in? The guy's like got the reins and he's driving it and they're, and they're like running into each other and busting each other. And in this one, there's the Ethiopian who's reading a book. In this chariot, there's somebody who's listening and probably says, some, obviously somebody driving. That's a pretty big chariot. And how loud it must have been, how loud. I mean, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a Prius that can sneak up on you. You know, it was loud. And so as you begin to contemplate those things about scripture, when it says that he overheard them, it changes how you understand scripture when you start to spend time thinking about it. And thinking about how God had worked in the one who received. You know, because imagine walking up to say to somebody saying, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Who do you think you are? Right? That's what he did. And so we gotta spend time contemplating scripture and letting it permeate our mind. How long has it been? You know, I remember honestly, I'll tell you, here's the truth. When I used to hear that, I was like, Scripture is so boring. You ever been there? I can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And part of it was because I wasn't doing that. I wasn't taking time with the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit move. And so don't take your thought life casually. Spend time thinking about Scripture. Areas where God's leading. Prayer. 
Think about where God's leading you and talk to Him about it. Or just leave it there. Think, you know, just spend time with it in your mind. Don't try to take the baton from God. Don't pull a mark. I've done that too. I'm a, I tell God I'm a sprinter in a marathon all the time. Prayer. How many of your prayers go like this? Lord, I come to you and I've got this list and I thank you for all this list and I thank you for all these blessings and I'm so glad I talked to you today and, and here's my, all my problems and I dump that on you and I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Amen. You know what we do? And we go, well, God never talks to me. Well, he can't get a word in edgewise with you. Maybe go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I'm here to listen today. You ever done that? Just sit there? Sometimes it's quiet and sometimes it's not. Listen. Don't take your thought life casually. Two, be intentionally Christ conscious. We fall into a routine of life where God has a place in our heart but not necessarily leading in our daily journey. We kind of talked about this. Intentionally ask him every day about his agenda for you and to make you aware of divine appointments. And I promise you, when you start to do this, you're going to start to see him working through you and around you. As God is at work, you'll start to hear conversations. You'll pick things up you didn't pick up before. Somebody will ask you something that you see a lead in where you can put in a seed, a crack in the wall. And so be intentionally, decide in your mind that this is not the day you serve the Lord. This is the day you become equipped. And we serve the Lord when we go out there. We think of church as I've served the Lord. <laughs> God don't think it that way. It's 24-7, ladies and gentlemen. It ain't one day a week. <laughs> Three, contemplate the idea that your life is hidden with Christ. That your life hidden with Christ may be vastly different than the life you're seeking. What if what he has for me is very different than what I'm seeking from him? Seeking the wrong life will cause God to frustrate your attempts to seek something that's different than what he planned for you. I want to seek the life that God planned for me. And not some other thing, some other agenda that I can come up with. You know, there was a man that was walking late at night. And he saw this other guy. He was over there under this lamppost. And he was just standing there like this. And he was... He was looking. And so he's like, what's that guy doing? So he walked over to him and he, and he says, hey, what are you doing? And, he's, and the man, without even batting an eye, he said, or even looking up to see the guy, he says, I'm looking for my watch. So the guy, out of the kindness of his heart, said, well, let me try to help this guy, you know, like we would. And he says, well, tell me exactly where were you standing when you dropped it. And the man, without looking up again, says, somewhere over there. <laughs> and this guy's now becoming incredulous. He's trying to help this guy. And he says, well, if you dropped it over there, why are you looking over here? He said, well, the light's better over here. <laughs> 
So what's the moral of the story? We lose things in the dark that can only be found in the light. And it's very easy to go astray, to head down the wrong path, and lose the life that God planned for you because you're out there in the darkness. If you really want to find it, you need to come back to the light. And therein you will find what Jesus set apart for you from the foundation of the world. The question is, for you and for me, this is a two-way street here, it ain't no one-way streets here at New Life. Are we even looking? Are we even looking for the life God planned for us? Do you even care? And if you do, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to let certain things go? Are you ready to live by faith? The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. We want to live, we want to, we want to please God from a comfortable position. <laughs> and, and faith requires trusting Him when you don't see all the facts. So that's the only times we really please Him. Yikes. But are we going to live biblically or are we going to just live our own agenda? Look, folks. Overcoming sin means that we walk in the Spirit of God. We don't listen to the garbage that comes in our mind. It's piped into your head all day through TV, radio, all these things. It's garbage. We need to know what's true. This book is true, ladies and gentlemen. We all surrender to it, submit to it. And we bring things that we've held, beliefs we've had for a lifetime that are, are true to it. We stand on them. Beliefs we've held for a lifetime that it starts to show us that it's different than what we thought. We submit to it. And we surrender those things. Because it's about Him. It's about us seeking Him together. Then, all that other rabble that you think you're caught up in, it just takes care of itself. So I'm going to ask everybody this morning, what has he spoken to you about? I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes.